Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome to the first ever episode of the Mackie and Jeb with Rami Happy Hour here. I like from this. Stella's Fish Cafe in Uptown, otherwise known as Rami and Danny Cunningham and Declan Goff's front lawn. I mean, I'm literally across the street, literally right across the street. I can stumble home after many a Tullamore Dew Irish whiskey. Yeah, thanks to Tullamore Dew Irish uh, Tullamore Dew Irish whiskey for irresponsibly giving us this platform. Uh, to drink responsibly and enjoy their beverages. Super irresponsible to do this across the street from my apartment yeah. building, though. <laughs> really? I don't know. I call it very responsible. That's true. Tullamore knew where you lived, which is sort of frightening. That is but true. But then earmarked the event for here. I think it's brilliant. Can I say something? I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this. And I've been to Stella's a couple times in my day. And by a couple times, I mean I was here every day when I was like just out of college. Sure. And uh, failing miserably to try and find a companion for... <laughs> Yeah. The evening. Right. Um, We've all been through that. So in the bathroom, they have someone who helps you, you know, like put soap in your hands. They've got a, an attendant in the bathroom here. Have you guys ever that been was, into a bathroom with an attendant? I worded that before? really oddly. I mean, it's very common <laughs> at bars to have that. But the way that you put that was really, really, fr- like, help you. I'm, all, I'm yeah, always uncomfortable in that situation. I don't them. know about you guys. I'm you uncomfortable. Just give them a dollar no matter what. But, like... They'll hand you a towel, you give them a dollar, you're fine. But do you give them a dollar between when you go to the bathroom and, and they put soap in your hands? Or do you wait until the whole thing is over wait and then give done. them a dollar? Because I, I gave them a dollar between and I wasn't sure how... Well, yeah, I don't want to touch money after I've washed listen, my hands. Listen, you germaphobe. What you do <laughs> is they put the soap in your hands, you get done. Because they, they don't want you to go to the bathroom, take a dollar bill out after you went to the bathroom before you washed your hands... So you have to re-dirty your hand a little bit by taking the dollar and then handing it to them. And that's the other thing is that, all due respect to Stella's Fish Cafe, like, I don't mind tipping. I'm a generous tipper. But, like, I didn't ask for that. And right. now, now I'm in a position where, like, I can't say no thanks, dude. I, I'm all set. I've gone to the bathroom plenty of times by myself and right. saved myself that tip. Hold on a second. Yes. You're from Chicago. Yeah. You're from Chicago, and you're not used to the guy in the bathroom helping you out by putting the soap on your hands? I didn't go to fancy places growing up I didn't know Chicago. Jeb was such a classy Field. guy, man. They've got him by Wrigley Field. <laughs> do they have him at Pippin's? They've got him by Wrigley Field. <laughs> they they've do. The, yes, post-game, they do. yes. they've got the guy by Wrigley Field. Those aren't exactly classy joints. Jed, are you sure that those are official employees, or is it just <laughs> like, you know what? like Rick from the south side? <laughs> he gets my dollar no matter what. I don't ask any questions. The first time I experienced such a, such a bathroom attendant, I was like 12 years old. It was a family trip. To New York City, okay, and we were at 
I think I think they closed and now they're open again. Tavern on the Green inside Central Park. You're correct on both counts. Yes. Okay. So it's so reopened. And so you know, family trip. Let's let's just let's do it up. Let's show let's show a young little Philip Mackey his first nice restaurant. And so I had to go to the bathroom after the uh, the appetizer order. And so I go sure. to the bathroom alone. And so I walk in and there's another man at the sink. Don't think anything of it. And I go to the bathroom and he's still at the sink, still at the sink. And I think okay. I don't know why he's lingering by the sink, but I'm a kid and I'm a little bit nervous. It's New York City. So I walk over and I try not to like make eye contact, but I walk over and I go to turn the faucet on. He beats me to it and turns the faucet on. Oh, man. Yeah. Imagine that being your first ever experience with a bathroom attendant when you're 12 years old. And then he proceeds to squirt soap in my hands and ask me if I want any lotion. <laughs> and, and he's currently at the end of a 25-to-life stint in Attica. Like, like, I don't know what to say. Freedom after all these years. Now I'm going to find that Mackie kid and kill him. The other, the other problem with a bathroom attendant is, we've talked about this before on the show, I have a shy bladder. And the worst thing for a shy bladder is a guy waiting for you to be done. Like, that's what triggers my shy bladder more than anything. More than anything. Like at sporting events or concerts where there are long lines to go to the bathroom, I I cannot go, Judd. Cannot go. Wait, don't you go in the stall, though? I will. I'll take a stall, but... Aren't you okay in the stall? I, I'm usually okay in the stall, but with the bathroom... Like, in the stall, I can block it out that there's a line. I can't block it out that there's a dude literally waiting for me to finish up so he can squirt soap in my hands. That's something right. I so cannot it, block but, out. But, but So who wins that standoff? Because he's not leaving. No, he's not going anywhere. He probably wins the standoff. I probably pretend to have gone to the bathroom and then let this guy help me wash my hands. So you're in the stall. You're in the stall. He's you outside. You, you can't see him, and you still can't go. Yeah. Yeah. I have issues. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something I've never told anyone in my life before. Okay. Oh because God. I've got, I myself at times have had the same problem. Yeah. Now, ordinarily, if I'm in a stall, I'm fine. But I have had that problem. And years and years ago, I decided, and I don't know why, but it works perfect. So I'm going to suggest this. Okay. When you're at the stall and you're having problems. If well, through, stage fright. If through your head, mm-hmm. you get the song... By Frankie Goes to Hollywood, <laughs> relax, go to it when you want to do it. What? It actually helps loosen me up so that I can go. What? I don't know. I'm serious. It works. Did a therapist give you this advice? It works. No, this is long before I saw See, a therapist. My trick is. And it's a great song. Bum, bum, bum. It's a good song. That's a really Thank good you. song. Um, we've gone way farther down this road than I thought we would. But my trick is. Well, we're I, here now. And there's when no I, exit, when so. I have some stage fright, I go through the multiplication table in my head. Okay. I go one times one equals one. One times two equals two. Two times two equals four. Three times three equals six. Usually when I get to six times six equals 36, something about that equation just usually will, will unblock the floodgates me. Open. Yeah, floodgates open at six times six <laughs> equals 36. So just some, all right, since, since we're this far down this path right yes. now, just for the audience that doesn't know, uh, Rami during commercial breaks, if he sees one of us go down the hallway to the bathroom, he can't go I because he's too worried that stage fright will prevent him from I, being able to get back on time. I stopped dead in my tracks. But what back. if, like, what if, in order to be efficient here, what if you win at the same time and one of us helped you by doing some multiplication <laughs> out loud? I don't think that helps. Okay, Rami. Two <laughs> Here times we go. Four. One times one equals one. You'd have no chance. <laughs> no, I'd have I've zero seen you before. Shot. You get very upset when you <laughs> even see me. I've had zero shot whatsoever. <laughs> when my current contract is up for Score North, 
One of my riders in contract number two is private bathroom. (laughs) 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 Private bathroom just for me. Talk to Dan about that because he's got one in his office. Are you kidding me? Are you serious right now? I'm dead serious. We'll we'll, uh, we'll definitely add that to the line. We can confirm this. He really has one in his office? Yes. Our general manager has a private bathroom in his office. Well, he's busy. Can can I get access to to it? No. I don't mind sharing it just with Dan. Can I... Can I get access to that bathroom only only from 4 to 6? Just from 4 to 6. So I can be efficient, get my business done, get back to work as quick as possible. I think it's a good negotiating point. I think it's a good place to start. I'm going to bring it you up. You put that in the second contract. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> I'm going to bring it up. See what happens. I'm going to bring it's, it up to Dan. It's Mackie and Judd with Ted coming up next. Hey, Ted, how you doing? What if that was why my score north tenure came to an end? Like, that was the sticking point in my second contract. That would be called a Seinfeld they episode. Wouldn't, they wouldn't give me access to the general manager's bathroom. I mean, and, there are some, like, have you ever seen, like, have you ever seen, like, some of the weird things that athletes do put in their contracts, <laughs> yeah, though? Yeah. I mean, like, uh, like I think it was uh, Orlando Hudson who needed a double suite for every single, like, road game that the Twins went on in 2010. Like, lo- like bad to mediocre players who need high-maintenance <laughs> things in their contracts. You wouldn't be the first to be high-maintenance in their contracts. Is, is that the most th- – this might not be the exact right word, Phil, but is that the most fraudulent player you covered as far as perception to reality? Yeah, he was definitely the most, okay, the cameras are on, now the cameras are off, and there's a reason why that guy played for four teams in four years at the end of his career. Um, totally different guy. What's the one story? What The Jermaine Dye story? No, the the one where, where he came in. Oh, that was Nick Blackburn. No, no, no. The oh, year yeah, after yeah, leaving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Owen's like, hey, everybody. Yeah. Uh, so Orlando Hudson was the twin second baseman in 2010, and... The public loved him because on camera he was always Orlando Hudson. Hey, we're fun. We're clubhouse guy, right? <laughs> but like the clubhouse didn't like Orlando Hudson because he was just he shut it off and he was all about Orlando Hudson, right? And uh, Nick Blackburn, who's one of the nicest guys of all time and just one of the best clubhouse guys of all time, struggled outside of like a two year run. Uh, told me this story one time, and it was the year after Hudson got. Uh, I think he, I don't think he got traded. He just like signed a one year contract and went on and played for somebody else. And so he comes back with the Padres as a road opponent and thinks, I'm going to go into the Twins clubhouse and like say hi to all my friends, right? <laughs> so all the Twins are sitting at their clubhouse lockers, just like 20 dudes in the clubhouse just hanging out. And Orlando Hudson comes in through the double doors. And he looks in and he, hey, what's going on, everybody? What up? Looks around the room. 20 guys stare at him. <laughs> Nobody gets up, and they all look back down at their iPads. The only guy to say anything was Nick Blackburn, who was like the stall next to the door. Looks at him and goes, "What up, man?" And, he, and, and then he basically says, "Like, oh, bleep all y'all," and walks out of the club. That was the end of Orlando Hudson's run with the Twins. So. That's great. So, so all right, so. Judd and I were talking about this between when the Twins got bounced by the Yankees and uh, before we cracked the mics here at this first ever Mackie and Judd with Rami happy hour. Thank you to Tullamore Dewar Irish Whiskey for uh, hooking us up with our adult beverages tonight. What is And your answer is going to be different than our answer because we've been following Minnesota sports exclusively for our entire lives. Sure. You are a Chicago sports fan via Milwaukee, Green Bay, and now you've been with us hanging out for 10 months. What is your top five list, your pecking order, of teams you've had the most fun watching in, in a season? 
Okay. So seasons that you've had the most fun watching. All right. And the jumping off point here is the Twins 2019 are in my five. They're in they're, your top five. They're in my five. Actually, you've said this is the most fun Twins team that you've ever watched, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. Are they in your, why don't you, Judd, you give your list first. All right. Not surprisingly, my first one's going to be a team that's no longer here, sadly. 81 North Stars. Stanley Cup run. I'm 11. Okay. It's fantastic. I started watching hockey around 80, 79. They go to the Stanley Cup Finals. That's one. And just because I was age and just so fun and, you know, you're so impressionable at that time, uh, especially when it comes to sports. So that's the 81 North Stars from one. I would say two has to be 87 Twins. First world championship, just phenomenal. Now, now that was an interesting team because they were so Metrodome home dominant. Like, that was not a great baseball team. That was not a complete team. The road record is awful. But that team running through... Detroit coming back to the Metrodome for the bus drove back, Rami, from the airport to the dome for like, uh, hey, the twins are coming to the Metrodome. Come say hi. They walk through the side door there. The building is packed That's for awesome. a welcome home. That's like awesome. guys started crying. Gary Gaetti was crying. He's like, this is unbelievable. Uh, number three would be the 91 twins, World Series champion. Better team than 87. I was 21. It was still a lot of fun. Puckett was phenomenal. But as far as impressionability went, down a little bit. Number four is going to be a weird one. And my list, I'm not going to put the 98 Vikings on my list because I covered the 09 Vikings. And it's not that I was impressionable, but the whole Favre thing, I'd covered Favre and Green Bay in 03 and 04. And I knew what Favre was capable of, both good and bad. And the bad was almost as interesting as the good. Sure. And that last pass against the Saints is still, if you were a fan, it ripped your heart out. If you were me, it was like, this is so far, but it's been so much fun. Like, I would never, I don't think that I would, if you could go back and say, okay, a different quarterback could do what Favre did, but you're going to the Super Bowl, but it's not Favre. I wouldn't say yes to that. Just because the Favre experience was so off the wall, but fun. And then five, I'm going to say this Twins team, which sounds weird, but I covered them a lot. It was a good group. It was a fun group. And as Phil and I have talked about a thousand times, it was unexpected success is so much fun. And I don't think anyone in their wildest dreams, and I know that both you guys thought they'd be good, but I don't think anyone thought they would be this good. And for this team to be this good, and also I'll add one asterisk and caveat to what I just said. I fully expect that this is the start of a really good run of baseball. So this is not a pop-up fun season. Right. It was a pop-up as far as off the charts being good that I didn't expect. Yeah. But I do expect that this is now a, a launching pad to a stream of successful years. Yeah. Those are my five. I like that list. Uh, I've got one on my list that I think Judd will be very proud of that you would never see coming. Okay. So I'll, I'll actually just I'll start with 2019 Twins because, you know, home run record, everything about it just... Are they a fringe playoff team at the beginning of the year? And then they win 101 games. They set the home run record. Uh, so 2019 Twins. The one that Judd would be proud of, the 2003-04 Gopher hockey team. Oh, wow. For my own personal reasons. So this was the Gopher hockey team won back-to-back. And actually, Declan, who's here hanging out, De- we've got all of our uh, Score North Uptown dwellers are here right now. at <laughs> So the, the Gophers won back-to-back national championships in uh, 01-02 and 02-03. 
And then young freshman in college, Phil Mackey, joined the U of M student section in 2003-04. Buzzkill ending to the season, but because they had come off back-to-back championships and they just steamrolled through the regular season, and then they got, it was like one of many disappointing postseason uh, runs for the Gopher hockey team the last 15 years. But the vibe inside Mariucci Arena has never been better than the year after they won back-to-back national championships. And now, like, a tumbleweed blows through that arena and nobody yeah. notices. But it was just, like, peak arena experience. Like, it was, like, Rami, they were passing around cheat sheets about the opposing goalie's family members before oh, every wow. game so you could chant, like, bad things That's about, strong. about, like, Mrs. Goalie, you know? That's amazing. Two student <laughs> sections, too, right? Uh, did, yes. Did you, you tell had, me you had, had two student sections? You had one behind, directly behind one of the goals, and then you had one that was kind of up in the corner. And now there's so, not enough for one. Right. So it was just, like, the most fun state of hockey, and I'm not even, like, the hockeyest of hockey guys, but the most fun peak college hockey experience you're going to find was the 2003-04 go for hockey season before the postseason buzzkill. Some people might fight me on that and say, well, I mean, like, pick one of the national championship years. But I really think it was like this crescendo. They to, were riding that wave. Yes. They were still riding that wave in 03, 04. Ended yes. badly, but the wave had, like, peaked at that moment. Exactly. crescendo, like you said. Exactly. And you're a freshman in college. It ends, oh, it yeah. ends. Yeah. 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 You're too um, drunk to notice. Exactly. The bomba bus, the bomba bus crashes. <laughs> exactly. Crashes. Yeah. Very similar. Two obvious Viking seasons on my list, 09 and 1998, for obvious reasons. But the less obvious one that I'm going to put as my fifth one on this list. So this is most exciting, fun seasons you've watched as a, as a fan or an observer of, of teams. The 2001 Minnesota Twins that didn't make the playoffs but came out of nowhere during contraction discussions to lead that division. They were like 25 games above 500 at one point. They were over the Indians for four months. And it was just a team of complete no-name minor league guys that unless you were following the system... You know, like a couple guys have been called up. Minkiewicz had played a little bit, Pierzynski, but it was all those dudes came up at the same time, and they won 86 games or whatever it was, 85 games, and they made baseball relevant again for the first time in 10 years at the Metrodome. So 2001 contraction twins. Right and they, they were up by how many games in July? They were up by a lot in July. Like eight or nine or something? Yeah. They blew like they had an a big game lead. lead. Yeah. Really? But yeah. the great thing about that time, too, was that's before – all of these services come out where you know every top minor league prospect now. That was before yeah. that, so you would have had to have been a hardcore Baseball America shinders guy to have any clue at that time. So it came out of nowhere. Yeah, Nobody like, was like no one knew it. who Tori Hunter was. No right. one knew who Doug Minkiewicz was. Doug right. Minkiewicz hit four hundred the first two months of the year. It's like what? Who's this random guy? Well, to win a batting title for God's sakes. Uh, so what's what's your five off the top of your head? Can I give an honorable mention? One that has an asterisk next to it, and I think would be on any of our list, if not for that asterisk, is ninety-eight. the 98 Major League Baseball season. And watching Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and that home Dude, run. Dude, I thought you there, hated that. There's no asterisk do, on that for me. I do, I do. Now it's tainted. To me, it's tainted. That's why it's not in my top five. But at the moment, that was amazing. That was crazy. Like, the world would stop when Sammy Sosa or Mark McGuire had an at-bat. Everything would stop, at least where I was. Like, if you were in a restaurant... It got quiet. Everybody looked at the TVs and saw if Sammy Sosa or Mark McGuire hit a, hit a home run. That was one of those moments where it sort of it pulled everybody in. You didn't have to be a baseball fan to know what was going on in that race. Didn't it pulled Fox, everybody in. D- didn't Fox National break into programming for at-bats by the time it, they that, that had reached its crescendo? So. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. that's an honorable mention. Would be in my top five. 
I assume it would be in your top fives if it wasn't as tainted. It's not tainted it for me. It's not. At it is all. what it is. Okay. All right. I was naive at the time. I thought it was real. Call me an idiot. I don't know. We all did. I thought what we were seeing was real. Rami, uh, as, as we learned from Rocco don't Baldelli. Yourself, don't be so hard on yourself. Emo- <laughs> emotions are a choice, as we learned from Rocco Baldelli. <laughs> all right. So getting to my actual list, number five were the 89 Cubs. I know people around here probably don't think much of the 89 Cubs. They won the division, lost to the Giants in the NLDS. But that was like, other than the 85 Bears, who will appear on my list later, shouldn't shock anybody, that was like my... That was one of the first teams that made the playoffs and gave me something to really root for. Like one of the first teams, like Judd was saying with the 81, the 81 uh, North, Stars, North yeah. Stars team, he was like 10, 11 years old. I was like 10 years old, and the Cubs were making their first legitimate playoff run of my uh, cogent thoughts, like where I was actually retaining memories. Because last time they made it before that, you're was only 84. retaining like half your memories now, right? Like, but I still have some only of those. half your thoughts are cogent. And now. then they had the earthquake in the World Series after that when the Giants played the A's. Here's a like, scary thought. That was I. I met my wife on the Saturday after that earthquake. Really? Yeah, October twenty first, nineteen eighty nine. I will have known her for thirty years. That is frightening because you. You were barely out of diapers. I was a child, yeah. Was a little... What's it like to be 40 now, by the way? We don't have to talk about that. Number four on so my list. It's like to be f- almost 50. <laughs> Your neck hurts a lot. And you're, no- you're November? When are you? November 13th. I November turned 50. 13th. Yeah. Number four on my list, the 06 Bears who went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Colts. That was my first year in sports talk radio, and I was the producer for a Colts fan. So we made a bet, which I obviously lost. And had to shave a horseshoe in the back of my head. So you bet a horseshoe in the back of your head on that's Rex not, Grossman versus not Peyton Manning. We're not done yet. I had a horseshoe in the back of my head. I went and stood outside the Bradley Center on the night of a Bucks game in uh, blue tights, a Jim Harbaugh Colts jersey, and a sign that said the Bears still suck. You just signed up for a quarterback cesspool challenge <laughs> punishment, by the way. We've been looking for more punishment. I was going to say that. Horseshoe in the back of the head's a good start. I'm not shaving a horseshoe in the back of my head. That is not. I didn't have this long, luxurious. How about, so you how about in then? your back? Just in your back. I don't have back hair. I told you guys. Waist up, I have almost no hair. Okay, Waist well, down, then we'll shave Sasquatch. One. Um, upper thigh? No, that's weird. You can do it in the upper thigh if you want. <laughs> Nobody will ever see that. And it's probably a good thing. Uh, number three on my list. Number three was the... Um, let me think about this for a second. We've been drinking out here. Um, thank you, Tullamore. <laughs> thank you, Tullamore, dude. For, <laughs> we just talked about how I can't retain memories. Uh, number three was another team that came up short, the 06 Bears. Oh, no, I just said the 06 Bears. Good God. I'm not even drunk yet. Let's name I'm, some Cubs team. How about the 98 yeah, we got Cubs? we got the 89 Cubs at five, the 06 Bears at four. The 85 Bears. 85 Bears are number two. Okay. God, I just had this in my head. 2016 Cubs are number one. Good uh, 84 God. Cubs. No, I was too young at the time. Good uh, God. How about the 1999 Bulls? Oh, no, the 90s. I just get, thank you. The Tyson the, Chandler. 95, and, uh, 96 Bulls when they won 72 and Rodman Mania was taking over Chicago. Like, yeah. they, I didn't watch it, but they said in the Dennis Rodman 30 for 30 documentary, like he was a bigger star than Michael Jordan in Chicago. And it's. I won't go that far, but they were clo- like it was close. And Michael Jordan was like a god in Chicago at the time. And here comes Dennis Rodman, who like just captured everybody's imagination. He had a building that like a gazillion people drove past every day in downtown Chicago traffic with just his head on it. And whenever he changed his hair color, 
the mural would change its hair I color. I remember that. It I was do remember amazing. that. Yes. It was great. Like, Bulls Mania was just insane. I remember when they won the championship, and I lived in an apartment complex. A buddy of mine lived in an apartment complex probably, like, a football field away. And when the game went final, we both went running out of our back doors and embraced like we had just won a championship. <laughs> like, jumped into each other's arms like we had just won a championship. Have you guys uh, – oh, by the way, I feel like Chicago sports tend to bring people together mostly with misery. But yes. one of my best friends in my life I met – he was one of my great college friends, uh, Matt Schroeder, if, if you're listening. What up, Matt? How you, how you doing? Hey, Matt. And I, So freshman year of college, Twins fan and Cubs fan, Steve Bartman game was my freshman year of college. And him and I met because I was watching the game in my dorm room, and I had the window open out to, like, the courtyard area, Pioneer Hall at the U of M, who, for anyone who's, who stayed there. And I saw this dude, after the Bartman play happened, I saw this dude run outside with a Cubs hat and screamed at the top of his lungs an F-bomb, like, to be heard from 100 miles away. <laughs> so when he came back in, I, I peeked my head in the hall, and I was like, you watching this BS? He's like... Yes, and like lifelong friends since the Steve Bartman game. I feel like like Minnesota sports misery cuts deep, but Chicago sports misery outside of the Chicago Bulls. Dude, that night, the Bartman night, I just got quiet and cried. Like I was around a group of friends, and I couldn't even hide it. I just I got How real. How old were you on the Bartman night? Uh, that was 03, so I was like 23 years old, 24 okay. years old. Yeah. Like I just got really quiet, and like my friends were legitimately worried about me. I was the biggest Cubs fan in our... We were, I think, all Cubs fans for the most part. But, like, I grew up in Chicago. I was diehard. And, like, I took it harder than anybody. My friends were like, dude, are you all right? Are you going to be okay? I was like, I legitimately don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be okay. Let's see tomorrow. Let's see what happens in Game (laughs) 7. I'll tell you if I'm going to be okay. If Alou hadn't... If Alou had helped there and been like, you know what? It's not anybody's fault. But, you know, he sort of blamed Bartman. How much worse did that make it? Probably a little bit worse. I think it would have been bad for Bartman no matter what. All right. I think it would have been bad regardless of how Moises Alou reacted. But that probably, that threw a lot of I mean, the man the peed on his hands to toughen up his calluses to hit, which is sort of an odd thing to do anyway. So I mean, whatever it takes. Uh, number two, the 85 Bears. That was like, I was talking about like the age where you start retaining memories. I was six at the time, and that was like very early memories. I got hit by a car the summer before that. What? Yeah. Uh, broke my whole leg, so I was in a. We- I remember vividly watching the Bears win a Super Bowl from a wheelchair with my foot like propped up in front of the TV screen. Do you want to ask I can or see I? my leg in a cast in front of the Bears celebrating a Super Bowl championship. Do you want to ask a question or should I? I mean, go ahead. <laughs> so, how did you get hit by a car? <laughs> Not that great a story. Um, my my brother was at his friend's house, Mikey, across the street. My mom said, "Go get your brother for lunch." I did. Uh, we lived near a corner. A guy turned the corner going too fast, and I went tumbling over his car. Wait, so, like, so how fast was he going? I don't know. How fast can you take a so turn? So he hit you, and you like rolled over I the I rolled wind- over the top of the car. <laughs> yes. So you were like a stuntman for a second, but you yeah. weren't a stuntman. Yes. I you just, were five. I don't remember. The only thing I remember from the incident oh, is that's so cool. waking up on the street with like a circle of people looking down on me wondering if I'm alive. That's the only memory I have of that incident. <laughs> and number one is the 2016 Chicago Cubs, which yeah, would shock nobody. Obvious, yeah. That was uh, 36 years of pent-up frustration that came out in ugly crying. What was your... Okay. 
um, when Rajai Davis hit the home run. And by the way, Danny Cunningham, why don't you come over here in a second because we want to get Cleveland sports fan. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll just stay out of the misery. When, when, when we're actually when we're when Rajai Davis hit the home run, I think to tie it, right? Yes. What was what was Rami so feeling that whole season? Like for the first time in my Cubs fandom life, it felt like a special season, like a team of destiny, like this, like something special is going to happen. And even when they were down 3-1, I was still holding on to that. I was like, nope, they're going to do this. This is, this is the team of destiny. This is something special. It's going to happen. When Rajay Davis hit that grand slam, I was like, I, I was wrong. They, they're going to do it to me again. This is the Cubs. They live to break my heart, and they're about to do it to me again. So, Phil, before I go, I got one question for you. If I could gift you any one of the teams, Vikings, Twins, Wolves, Wild, obviously, no, but that could win a win a championship because I was there in 87 to 91. So I've I love seen how two. Wild is just like automatically. <laughs> well, they're just not going to be one of them. <laughs> but like, one you, of the, oh, you just like have so much disdain for the Wild. Oh, no, but they're not. Like but you just won't. But no, but it wouldn't be special to you if they won a Stanley Cup. No, It'd be fun. But, yeah. but of the three teams that you follow the closest, if I could give you a championship for one that you could appreciate as an adult, which one would it be? It's a great question. Pump your fist. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. I've already seen a Twins championship, but I was like six years old. And the, twi- like the Twins would be the one that I would probably be the most excited about. But in terms of like, I would, I would say Timberwolves. Really? Because it's, it's wow. so impossible. It's so like, think about the history of the Timberwolves. The closest they've ever come to a championship is the eighth year of a playoff run with Kevin Garnett. They get a Game 7 win in the second round. Like, literally the peak moment of that franchise's 30-year history is a second-round playoff win. They got halfway through the playoffs is, the, is the, literally the peak moment of that franchise. And so I would say, just because of how impossible it would be, the Minnesota Timberwolves would, uh, would make me happy, which is a good segue because Danny Cunningham is here. He covers the Timberwolves yeah. for Score wow. North, and he's on the Raised by Wolves podcast. Um, are they going to win a championship this year? <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> and, and real quick, Rami, about the uh, the 2016 baseball season in yes. that series, I texted friends when the Indians took a 3-1 lead in the series that they were going to lose the series. Oh, you called that? Like, I was more, I was probably more confident in, than you that the Cubs were going to win that series. Wow. And wow. I didn't want them to. Have you guys ever flushed out this series we together? We have not, no. Okay. We should, we should probably do that. Okay. No, we have no, Rami, right Rami, now, maybe. No, Here's right now. The thing. The Cubs were always my second team growing up, so like I, I feel ne- like the Cubs are everyone's second team because they were on WGN. Yeah, I, I didn't have a especially disdain American for the Cubs. League cities. Yeah, I didn't have a disdain for the Cubs. Like, yeah, it sucked watching the team that I grew up loving lose because of a rain delay, but also I couldn't hate it that much because of who it was to. Like, if it would have been to any other city, it would have been the worst thing in the world. Okay, let me ask and you And also, it would have been worse had June 19th of 2016 not happened first. <laughs> Where the Cavs came back from 3-1 yes. and won a championship. Yes. Okay, I love, doing, I love getting this because, like, Minnesota sports fans have been – our identity in this town is that of woe is us, misery, right? I almost wonder what's it going to be like – if it goes the other way where the Vikings win a Super Bowl and the Twins win a World Series, I'm very curious. But I want to ask you guys, because like Chicago with the Cubs, it's, it's, there, there's some misery to that town. The, the White Sox went like 80 years between championships. 
Cleveland is like one of the most miserable sports cities of all time. That's yeah. They Danny's made a whole from. 30 for 30 documentary about how miserable Cleveland sports I'm are. I'm in right. that documentary, by the way. You can <laughs> are, find, are you really? <laughs> when they remade it after the Cavs won the title, you can see me behind LeBron during oh, nice. the parade in awesome. the documentary. What is? I'll go first. By the way, I didn't want him to remake that. It was perfect the way it was. I'm no, glad, it, you, it, the, I'm the, glad the, you got in it, but the misery well, I, I of the original with, version so was just Andy Bilbin, so... Mm, Wow. Oh, I love it. Andy Billman was the director who and uh, Scott Rabb was the guy that kind of it's kind of centered around with the with his kid that he was t- telling the story to. And I spent most of the day of the parade with them. And oh, that really? was a really cool. Thing oh, to nice. To That's awesome. I was with them during the Cavs parade. So I'm going to go first here. And then I, I want we're, I want Declan's answer on this, too, because he's a Minnesota sports guy. So we'll, we'll cycle him in here, too. The saddest your sports city, your, like, childhood sports city has ever made you. And so for me, Minnesota, the 1998 Vikings, I was 12, 13 years old during that season. It's, like, the most shocked I've ever been. And now I now I know better. Now after, like, 20 more years, sure. I know better. But yeah. I went upstairs to my room and cried for, like, an hour and a half after that game was over. Like, did I'm not, not judge see you. that coming. I will not judge you. Up by two touchdowns or ten points, like did the greatest offense in in football history, did not see it coming. The nineteen ninety eight Vikings are the saddest sports has ever made me. What's the saddest sports have ever made? I gave you, guys? you mine. It was Bar- it was the Bartman incident. Okay, and I, I hate that the guy's name is attached to it, but that's just vernacular now. It is what it is. He was just not to say he's without blame. He was just the first domino of many dominoes that needed to fall for the Cubs to lose that series. But I was despondent, dude. Like I said, I was. I was with my buddies, and they were legitimately concerned about me because I just clammed up and <laughs> cried. I didn't say, like, I probably didn't say a word for about 90 minutes and just tears streaming down my face. And I didn't believe in curses until that point. And then after that happened, I was like, man, this might, this might be a real thing. This whole goat thing might be a real thing. I came to my senses and realized, no, it was just a bad chain of events that, that occurred that led to the Cubs losing and, and, and not getting to the NLCS that year. But at the time, it made me question, like, maybe curses are real. Maybe there is something to this Billy Go thing. Like, it shook my reality. What happened that night follow, and, and the following night after Bartman got Moises to lose way? So for me, it's, it's kind of a toss-up between two events. One actually took place on a field, one didn't. The 07 Indians blowing a 3-1 lead to Boston in the ALCS was catastrophic because no matter which team won that series, the Rockies were just going to get smoked in the World Series, and that they were up 3-1 on Boston. That was after... The, I forgot all about that. That was after the, the midge game in Cleveland between the Indians and the Yankees where Joba Chamberlain lost control because bugs were all over the his nat, face. That was the Nat game, yeah. Yeah, the right. midges. The midges. Is that um, what the bugs are called? Yeah, they're called midges. Oh. That was the, the is that like a, game. like a mosquito cousin or what is the... It's something along those lines, yeah. They're, okay. they're not pleasant and bug spray actually attracts them. Oh, oh good so God. When, <laughs> when, job, when the Yankees trainers went out and sprayed him down with bug spray, it made it that much worse. And that's why they <laughs> fell apart. It was was unbelievable, um, but like when that a happened, bug that's attracted to bug spray could when, only when, exist in Cleveland. When that happened, and then they they won that series in four games. They're up three one in the Rice. Actually, like this team's winning the World Series. Yeah, and then they blew a three one lead there. And then the other one's probably the first time LeBron left Cleveland when I was like a sophomore in high school. I'm like, we have the greatest basketball player in the world. This is amazing. And then he goes on national TV and says, "I'm going to Miami." Did you had you did you brace for that? Or did you think, oh, like he wouldn't go on national TV? And, and so that was what was holding me back from believing everything that he was gone. Is like, 
he wouldn't go on ESPN and just be like, I'm out, Cleveland. Like, he would. Yeah, that's what he, I thought. Like, oh, I'm like, he's no going to go on there and he's going to raise a bunch of money for kids. He's going to be like, I got to stay home. I have to live up to the promises <laughs> I've made. And then he's just like, no, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. Like, I didn't want to believe the Chris Broussard report from earlier that day that he was going to Miami. I wanted him to be wrong, and he wasn't. I've never experienced that. Like, the best player in my sports city leaving at the not top of his game. Well, like, the, be- the, best the, right, the best player in the world. Right, the best player in the world. I am out. Leaving at the top of his game. Oh, that happens all the time here, by the way. Like, <laughs> literally all the time. Kevin Garnett, Tory Hunter, <laughs> Johan Santana, you name it. All right, Declan, what is the saddest Minnesota sports has ever made you? I'm serious. It was just three days ago. It was the 2019 (laughs) Twins. Danny can attest that after game one on Friday. Wait a second. Wait a second. After... After 15, 16 years of Yankees beating Twins, you didn't brace for that even a little bit? Well, how old are you? 26. So when was the last time the Yankees beat the Twins? How old were you when that happened? I was at game two as a senior in high school. Okay, so he's... Okay, but I won't really have never been too sad. I've been disappointed, and there's been moments that have made me cry, and this might be the most embarrassing thing that has ever made me cry in Minnesota sports because there's a lot of things that you could cry over. I was a huge Scott Baker fan. Wow. My favorite Twins pitcher. <laughs> okay, okay. You ready? I think you know where look, this is going. Look at the look on Judd's face right now. Yeah. On the side. <laughs> a gigantic Scott Baker fan. Scott I'm, Baker, very nice guy. I'm always nice uh, guy. entertained when somebody speaks a sentence that has never been spoken right. before. <laughs> this is why this is really, really sad. Guys, guys, I was a, was a gigantic fan of Chase Budinger. Right. Yeah, exactly. Same, same kind of thing. So Ruben Cavedo was my dude. So I'm sorry. I, you on. know, 06 Twins and, and 2017 Vikings made me disappointed. 09 Vikings too, but this actually made me cry. Scott Baker was pitching a gem against the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, dude, I remember. It was a perfect game. 2008. It was a perfect game. And a huge Scott Baker fan. I'm at the Minnesota State Fair. And <laughs> My parents are three sheets to the wind. I'm just along for the ride. And when he gives up the walk, which actually I wasn't sad about, like, okay, you can still get the no-hitter. And then for Mike Sweeney, the ultimate Twins killer, And the to only get a good hit, hitter on that team. At and the, the only good player on the Royals for, like, 15 years, I cried. I cried when Scott Baker blew a perfect game to the Kansas City Royals. I cried. I shed a tear. I, 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 have no, I have no problem admitting this because it's the only time it's really made me cry. I've been really disappointed by a lot of Minnesota sports teams. I'm serious. That's the one time I legitimately cried. Because Scott By the Baker's way, Scott Baker, game. send Declan Goff a signed 8x10. Please, Please, a jersey. Forget an 8x10. Well, yeah. I would love a jersey, a ball, a glove. Please, all the Scott Baker I mean, stuff. I had a similar experience. I was at a, a Cubs game, Juan Guzman. Had a had a no hitter going through eight and two thirds, and Otis Nixon just comes up and slaps one off the like he barely touched it and just slaps it into the gap. It goes off the right field wall, no hitter blown. But I didn't cry. Otis Nixon, it by the way, one, to the wall. One of the great obscure random Twins players of all time. Otis I didn't know Nixon, he was ever like a the twin. last year of his career. As I did not know player. that he stole like forty bases as a forty year old. Okay. I forever hate Otis Nixon for that moment, but I didn't cry. But you brought up Juan Guzman. Yes. You brought up Scott Baker. Okay, so not counting Scott Baker, and we'll, I want Danny's thoughts on this too, most obscure athlete you irrationally loved the most in your life as a sports fan. I, we just got Declan's answer. He can't Scott have a Baker, more obscure yeah. player than okay. Scott Baker. Yeah. Oh. Danny? This, this is 
J.R. Smith isn't obscure enough for him. He's to not the obscure answer. anymore. He's not obscure anymore. I, I love some J.R. Smith though. J.R. Smith is one of my favorites ever. I'll give you mine real quick. What you think about? Because I put you guys on the spot. Yeah, Rami would know this one because he started. He was a, he was a super utility guy for like 15 years in the major leagues. Probably played for eight different teams, but he played for the Cubs in the early 1990s. As a shortstop, third base, second base, Jose Vizcaino. Yes. Was oh, my I remember favorite him. player on yes. the Cubs when I was a kid. Besides Sammy Sosa. I remember Jose, Jose Vizcaino. Vizcaino. Dude, that guy did not I'm, shy away from a strikeout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't tell you why he became one of my favorite players, but. For a long go. time, he held the single season record for strikeouts. Oh, no, you're thinking of. Uh, no, you're thinking of the Jose shortstop. Hernandez. Jose Hernandez. No, you're, oh, okay. Jose Vizcaino. Oh, okay. Vizcaino, was, he played for the Astros for a while That's afterwards. That's right. Yeah. I remember him now. Although, although uh, uh, Jose, Jose Hernandez, played, yes. he, like, the, the, he played for the Brewers after the Cubs, and that whole team was like a strikeout machine. Richie Sexton, Jeff yep. Jenkins, et cetera. Right? Yep. So. Okay, so mine's not Minnesota sports-related, not Cleveland sports-related. It's Notre Dame football. Oh, yes. Oh, Mac is going to get down oh. with you on this. Tom Zibikowski. Yes, Tom. Tommy Zibikowski. I remember Tommy Punt Returner. No. Safety. safety. The, if I'm not mistaken, Tommy Zibikowski was like from my neck of the woods. I yes, think I might have played high school football against Tommy Zibikowski. Yes, and then he turned into a uh, his football career didn't pan out, and then he became a professional boxer. Yes, um, but the punt return that he had against USC in the Bush the Bush push game was one of my favorite moments ever as a Tom kid. Zibikowski Tommy Zibikowski. Tommy Zibikowski will <laughs> is just like I had a Tom Zibikowski jersey. Well, I had a number 9 Notre Dame jersey, but it was a Tom Zibikowski. By the way, jersey. if you lined up 15 dudes and said, "Which one's Tom Zibikowski?" You'd be able to pick out which one is Tom Zibikowski. <laughs> like shaved head, you know. Yes. Um, two for me. One just because he was he was a big guy doing things big guys usually don't do. I loved Craig Ironhead Hayward growing up. Wow. Just a big, chunky running back who was doing things big, chunky guys didn't do <laughs> and made me believe, like, I could be a running back. Dude, we, I need, could, we need nicknames like Ironhead I again, could be right? a chunky Ironhead running back. I legitimately thought that growing up. I would ask my football coach, like, can I play running back? And he would laugh at me because I was just... This fat, roly-poly little kid who thought he could, and was slower than everybody and thought he could play running back. The other one was, uh, you, I'm, I would be shocked if any of you guys remember this guy, remember the name, Doug Desenzo. Oh, Doug Desenzo, man. You remember Doug Desenzo? Yes. Yeah, for Outfielder, sure. Outfielder, right? Outfielder for yeah. the Cubs? Yeah. To this day, I don't even know if this factoid is true. Somebody told me, probably my dad, because he likes to brag about Arab celebrities, uh, somebody told me Doug Desenzo was an Arab. And I was like, whoa, we have one? We got one? We got, we Who's got in the one. big leagues? This is great. And I became a bit, I doubt it. Like, Desenzo does not sound like an, a Middle Eastern name. I don't. Yeah, I didn't look at either. I doubt he honest. has any Middle Eastern descent okay. whatsoever. Okay, but before, at the time, I believed it. Before we get Judd's answer, I'm going to challenge you. Okay. And it's more just like you trying to work off my list here. All right. To an obscure Cubs roster name off. I thought you were going to say obscure Arab celebrities. That'll be the next game we play. Okay. Yeah. Selma Nin- Hayek. 19. 19- <laughs> what? Really? She is. Yeah. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Arab descent, born in Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Um, We're very proud of the, her. The entire cast of uh, Slumdog Millionaire. <laughs> Not I, Arab, but I, okay. Uh, really? No. That took place in India. Oh. <laughs> well, that was mildly, yeah, easy mildly racist, then, I guess. <laughs> mildly racist, yes. Okay. An obscure Cubs roster name off. Can you name 
10 Cubs besides Doug Desenzo from the 1992 Cubs? 10 Cubs? Oh, from the man. 1992 Cubs. Was Jeff Blauser on those teams? He uh, was too early. He was on the Braves then. Crap. I'll give you um, three strikes. I almost just cursed. Um, Mike Harkey? I think I might be going too back for That's a Mike Harkey. Oh, he was on the team. Cool. Um, 92? 92. Was Rick Wilkins the catcher? Yes. Whoa. That's uh, two. <laughs> Hold on. I can help you here. Surprising myself. Yeah, help me out here. I Matt Walbeck on that team? <laughs> He's not helping you. <laughs> you got two strikes now. Dwight Smith. Dwight Smith was on there. Nice. Three. Um, I already said Blouser, not on the team. Um, pitcher, Mike was... I think Greg Maddox was still on the Cubs at that That's time. four. But he's not obscure, is he? It counts. All right. I'm just I'll asking take, you for guys on the I'll roster. I'll take it. Ten guys on the Cubs. <laughs> obscure, not roster. obscure. You got four. Um, not, Doug DeCenzo's already off the board. And so is Jose Vizcano. Mitch Wild thing Williams was gone by then, I believe, right? This is like when we play with Jason Stark. I'm asking a question. Mitch Williams was gone by then. You right? got to ah, Mitch Williams. <laughs> Mitch, Mitch Williams. Um, I'm not. That is not an answer. I'm not submitting Mitch Williams. Good. I'm convinced he was gone by then. Um, I don't know. I'm running into a wall here. I mean, there's so many guys. I mean, the first baseman. Wait, I'll ask the question. There's not an answer. Was Mark Gray still there in '92? Yeah. Oh, Grace was still there in '92. Yeah. yeah. Sandberg was still That's there in '92, right? Uh, actually, Sandberg, uh, he was there. He had retired for a year, but he, he came well, back. Well, okay. he retired for a year because of some personal issues. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Because of what? <laughs> a little bit of personal problems. Oh, yeah. With you and the wife that. getting divorced because, you know. Yeah. Mark Grace. Um, little Palmero issue. No, Palmero was gone by then. No, I know. I but know. that was. I know where you're going. That was going. the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give up. I'm going to throw in the white towel. No, here. Sean Dunstan. No uh, Andre Dawson. John Dunstan was... No Steve Bouchel. Hold on. Dunstan and Dawson were still there? Yeah. Bouchel was the guy I was thinking of when I said Blouser. I couldn't come up with the name. Dunstan and Dawson... You're not going to give me Derek May or Chuck McElroy? Oh, man. Or Mike Morgan? Or uh, Mike Morgan. Luis Salazar? Mike Morgan, another guy that came through here. Luis Salazar? Ray Sanchez? Heathcliff yeah. Slocum. Now that you're saying this, all these names are very Hector familiar. Hector Villanueva. Oh, man. That was, that was another big boy doing big boy things. Chico Walker. As Who? Chico Walker. As <laughs> Harry Carey would say. What did say. that spell backwards? <laughs> Chico Walker spelled backwards. Uh, actually, we should incorporate the obscure roster name off. We used to do this like four years ago. I like it. On Mackie and Judd. I'm proud we that I came this. up with six. So who, who are the most obscure veteran? I, I heard you guys talking before. Veteran guys who came through the Twins at the end of their careers. Butch Husky. Oh, my God. Roberto I mean, like Kelly. The late 90s were just a graveyard. Otis Nixon. Otis Nixon. Mike Morgan. Terry yep. Mulholland. Yep. Uh, Bob, Bob Tewksbury. Bob Tewksbury, who was great with your least favorite team, the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, I mean, you want to go down, like, the Ruben Sierra path. Yep. Uh, they had... Uh, oh, I forgot. Uh, Dave uh, who, Hollins. Who was the other guy? The Yan- Dave was, Hollins was played a, third. Dave Hollins. There was a Yankees player for the Yankees uh, early, two, early 90s who... Oh, my gosh. Not Rondell White. That was... Uh, Ruben Sierra? No. Cliff oh, Floyd? going to eat at me now. Did Cliff Floyd play for the Twins? No. No, Butch Husky end? did. Butch Husky did. I don't think Cliff Floyd did. I mean, uh, you're asking Roberto Kelly, Roberto was, Kelly was a really good Roberto Yankee that played, That's the, what it was. that played for the Twins. Yeah. They turned somebody, and I forget, it might have been Roberto Kelly or it might have been Dave Hollins. They turned one of those guys into Ortiz. They got David Ortiz and Joe Mays. But David Ortiz's name at the time was David Arias, and then he changed his name to Ortiz. And then, of course, the twins decided that they were going to Arias or Arias? 
I think it was a rise, okay. but it sounds Just better your it. way. Just check. Todd, Todd Jones. Todd uh, Jones, they got in a trade at the deadline. They were competing. 2001 or That's I was. Yeah, like I remember that. Yeah. It's a lot. Oh, Kenny Rogers was another one, too. Not the country singer. He had a good year, right? No, the country singer. Dude, oh, really? Massive, I did not know that. Yeah. big sweeping hook. <laughs> you picked Define. Have you guys ever been to uh, men who look like Kenny Rogers.com? I, yes. I actually have. There's I have. literally a website. There's a lot of them. A lot of guys out there look like Kenny Rogers. Husky white dudes with white hair and white beard. By the way, what's the question here I'm supposed to answer? Oh, well, your. Have you ever been to uh, guys who look like Kenny Rogers.com? <laughs> Oh, yes, I have. Okay, good. Yes. There's a show. But There's I do show. it with the uh, incognito walls so my wife can't find out. Here it is. Men who look like KennyRogers.com. Uh, the question was your most, your, your favorite obscure athlete that you've ever, like, irrationally taken a liking to in your life as a sports fan. Ooh, obscure athlete. That would probably be, unfortunately for you guys, that would probably be a, a, a collection of North Stars, all obscure, but I took a weird liking to. They, when I was a kid, they had a goaltender who had played for much of the 70s and at one point was on a California Golden Seals team so bad he broke down crying on the team bus and then they merged with, or then they moved to Cleveland and then he came here as part of the consolidation of the two rosters together. His name was Jill Malash and I love Jill Malash. I absolutely loved him. I thought he was great. Butterfly goaltender. He was pretty good, but he was really obscure, and he was just a complete journeyman goaltender. But he, he was one of the guys that was actually he and Beaupre were the two goaltenders on the 81 Stanley Cup Finals team. But, like, I had – so my first jersey I got was, was when the North Stars acquired a guy from Calgary named Willie Plett, who was sort of a goon slash goal scorer. He's pretty good. And so I had a Plett jersey. And then um, I just – They're called sweaters in hockey, Joe. Sweaters. I to correct you. And then I and then I fell in love with Jill Malash, and so I had I took it back in, and had it to actually the old Southtown in Bloomington, where I bought the jersey and had the Plett name and number stripped off wow. and Malash put on. Wow! So I recast the jersey. That's hardcore. That is hardcore. That's sweater. Really, sweater. Sweater. Yeah, sweater. Well, actually, at that time I called them jerseys, but yes, now they are sweaters. But anyway, that was probably my most irrational love. And then I thought, you know what? I, I'm going to be a National Hockey League goalie someday. And I signed up for two goalie camps, and I went to one, and I quit that one half the way through. And then I went to the second and said, I really shouldn't have done this. What was the main reason why you quit the first one? Because I was really bad. (laughs) Because I found out that although I was a legendary street hockey goaltender, I couldn't skate well enough to stop pucks on the ice. You mean when they put knives on your feet, it's harder? I became... So that doesn't translate, because I was really good at goalie in gym class. Yes. No, it doesn't. wouldn't have worked. It doesn't help you at all. Just and so sure. these are all athlete challenges waiting. No, no, there's no athlete challenge here. I tried the challenge. I was younger and thinner, and it didn't work out well. And so I went to the second goaltender camp, and I said, "You know what? I really appreciate the opportunity, but I'm not even going to start. In fact, I'm going to bow out right now." But that was my most irrational sports love. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and uh, uh, the last time I cried about a sporting event, '84 Cubs, when the ball in Game Five went through Leon Durham's legs in San Diego. Cubs were up two nothing in that series. They won the first game like twelve to one. I'm sure it was watch. I was watching it too young to remember it. I was fourteen or so, so I was sort of old to cry. But they got swept out of that thing in the last three games. So it went. The series went two three, I believe. So it was two in Wrigley. They obliterated the Padres. They were going to the World Series. It was awesome. I had watched them all summer on GN, and they got swept out in San Diego. And the 
the final big hit was the ball that went through Durham's legs, and that's the one where Durham said post game, my glove Gatorade spilled on it. My glove was screwed up, was too heavy. So screwed up. And yeah. Yeah, so. I don't see how a glove soaked in Gatorade makes you screw up like that. I think like, it was a lame excuse, boys. Your glove? I think it was a lame excuse, but that was before your Bartman game. But that was. Oh, that, that was, was Bartman 84. Before Bartman. But, that, but here's the thing that was Buckner before Buckner, and because Buckner's happened in the World Series, it ultimately superseded that. So everybody remembers Buckner. Nobody remembers the damn Gatorade on Durham's glove, which broke my heart. And by the way, Buckner, when he made that, well, didn't make that play, under his mitt, under his first baseman's glove, was wearing a Chicago Cubs batting glove from his days Whoa. as a Chicago Cub. Are you serious? Yes. And Buckner was a great Cub man. Could great he had, Cub. Yep. He was in, in, in fact, in the 80s, early 80s, George Brett sat out. I think he broke a toe, and I'm not kidding you. The story Brett gave, I don't buy it, but it's a great story. Brett, like, broke a toe. He said he was doing laundry and watching a Cubs game, and Buckner was about to come at bat up to the plate, and he's watching the Cubs game because the Cubs were the greatest daytime TV, greatest soap opera in the history of soap operas. So Brett was, like, sprinting to his TV to watch it, and as he rounded a corner, claimed he hit his toe, I think his big toe, on, like, a doorstop and broke his toe. I'm not kidding because to Brett, rush to the TV Brett to see and Buckner, Buckner were buddies. Bat. Yes, that's great. It's amazing. But Buckner was a damn good player. It's amazing. Really good player. Yeah, great hitter. I mean, that's for, all I got for you guys. Honestly, for people listening, we'd love you to tweet us in. Just tweet at Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgad, at Rami is tweeting. What's the saddest sports has ever made you in your life, and also the most obscure athlete that you ever, for whatever reason, took a liking to? We love it. I got one more website for you guys too. This might be a little bit. Danny might have been a little bit too young for this. You ever watch Full House, Danny? I watched Full House, yeah. Okay, so you know. Rami, were you Full House? Oh, yeah. Now? Oh, yeah. You guys ever been to uh, the same pick of Dave Coulier every day.com? No. Not. What? It's literally. How do you find these things? The same pick of Dave Coulier posted every day. <laughs> <laughs> what leads you to that? That's what I think is a good question. How do you find that? Just pure First of all, stupidity. Who starts that? And second of all, how do you find that? Like, who has the time on their hands? Genius. To take so, out a minute of every day. Well, it's probably all, a picture I mean, of Dave Coulier. schedule it, but. So, speaking of time on their hands, have you seen the. I was uh, just about to bring this up. Go the ahead. latest Instagram account that's taking over the world, Phil? No. There's an account called. This is our last segment here, by the way. <laughs> this is jumping. Good, I need another drink. This is great. Yeah. This is an account called LaRaf James. It is LeBron James's Instagram account. It's every single Instagram post he makes. But it is him as a giraffe. <laughs> Let me see. So LeBron posted that picture of him and Anthony Davis, and the Le- the LaRaf James account posted that picture of him, him and Anthony Davis. So when he's doing like Taco Tuesday posts, oh yeah. Even the videos. Like, whoever, whoever is doing this is going through the trouble and the time of animating, not just drawing, animating whatever videos LeBron James posts to Instagram. It's amazing. LeBron posted a picture, shout out to his, his oldest son, Bronny, for his birthday the other day. And LeRaf James posted a picture shout out to LeBron's oldest son, son Bronny, the other day. Well, I think we could either, for Score North, I think we could either do... Uh, Giraffe Zolgad <laughs> or Rami McGrath. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so. All right. That's a wrap from Stella's Fish Cafe in Uptown. Thank you to our friends at Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey for powering this first ever episode of Mackie and Jeb with Rami Happy Hour. 
Uh, you can uh, you can find us every day live on Score North on AM fifteen hundred, the Score North mobile app, from four to six o'clock Monday through Friday. God bless America.